0: This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, a cold night's death. Everything you said about me is true. I don't like this kind of work. I I bloody hate it. It bores me and I get depressed. But I'm a professional, Frank. I don't play games. Robert, those were careless. I know you. You can't stand a mystery here anything that can't be immediately explained but i don't understand why you continue to worry because you know i didn't go near that heat last night i wouldn't touch the generator and i never would have opened that window who did
1: welcome to continuum drag the podcast that keeps you warm on those cold winter nights i'm luke here with my co-host jordan what's real jordan we don't have any ability to keep people warm I mean, Jordan, if you think about it, this is coming out. It's the beginning of January, coldest month of the year. People can gather uh, the family around the old uh, <laughs> hearth, put this on yeah, the yeah. Uh, put this on the radio, one of those big old-timey radios, and they can all enjoy this together.
0: That is nice. That is nice. Just that, that crackling of the fire in the background. Lovely.
1: Yeah, yeah. The static of the radio as we come across the airwaves.
0: That's right. Wouldn't that be lovely? Right after the Queen's speech for the her Christmas <laughs> message. Never forget. Does is is charles gonna do that uh, oh yeah this is january yeah yeah charles did it it was great i, I gotta assume if he makes it he's gonna do it yeah he's gonna do it what if he's gonna sit by that gold piano they have a gold piano that's pretty swank yeah that's that's when you know you've made it
1: they know they know how to live those royals <laughs> that's right well this week we're watching the 1973 abc tv movie a cold night's death is this our best
0: title we've ever we've it's ever seen a pretty seen? Solid I, title, eh? It's a, and apparently the working title uh, for the entire production was the Chill Factor, which isn't nearly as good. A Cold Night's Death is fantastic. I did see that as an alternate title. I was just like, Chill Factor, terrible. Cold Night's Death, you nailed it. Yeah, and uh, was I the only one humming uh, "Hard Day's Night" by the Beatles? No, was that was that your is that your version of the theme song? That's right. <laughs> I was humming that the whole time. Well, I don't
1: know too much about it, and I tried to look into the movie a little bit. There's not a ton of information about no. it. No, starring Robert Culp. Culp. Is that how you pronounce it?
0: Yeah, Robert Culp. Who we? He's a, a, a Continuum Drag alumni. That's right. What was he in? Spectre. Spectre. Still killing it here. Yeah. Oh no. He's. You know what? I have to say. Uh, we'll go through this, and I'll I'll just uh, bury the lead right off the bat. I really like this movie. Um, and I think the one of the major uh, benefits uh, that this movie had was uh, who they cast, and both Robert Culp and Eli Wallach are both great.
1: Yeah, it's just a two hander, and the character actor Eli Wallach is also bringing his A game.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, here's what you got to do: you get immediately they get a point for a cold night's death. And then they get another point for having uh, Eli Wallach and uh, Robert Culp. So that's two points right there before we've even started. <laughs> Title and casting director, you both are getting points.
1: Yeah, you both get points. That's great. Yeah, really, I could not find much written about this. All I really know is even just from the video itself that it was part of ABC's Tuesday Night
0: Movies. Yeah, you know what? I, I know it's, uh, it's a little antiquated now, and there's a reason this wouldn't be as popular now. But I think there's something really nice about, like, that just TV movies just came on. These, I don't know. I I don't know why I find that more charming than just, like, Netflix or whatever. But there's something really nice about it. This video
1: we watched had the full intro of the, like, 70s, like, neon ABC's Tuesday movie. Tuesday movie, like, flying at you, getting you ready to, like,
0: settle in for the night. Yeah, and you know what I like, though, is it's, it has uh, such a very different tone than what this movie is and i just i loved it so it's like get ready the excitement tuesday movie and they're like a slow simmering movie of these two guys in a place by themselves like oh okay i'm glad i got jazzed for this well you know it's a nice coincidence for us jordan what's that uh this was broadcast january 30th 1973 so this is essentially its 50th anniversary Whoa, I know I I did the same thing you did which is I looked up this movie and I've saw a few people uh write about it a few reviews mostly uh people like ourselves who've who've uh, rediscovered this later on but there's not much out there so I don't know how much of a how much of a sort of a cultural impact this uh Tuesday movie had.
1: No, I mean the YouTube comments do I think a bunch of mention a bunch of people who probably watched it while it was on being terrified of it but I truly I did not seem to like have much writing about it or even like remembrance of it no 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 but you know what we do know jordan what's that what happened in the world around january thirtieth, nineteen
0: 1973 thanks to wikipedia yeah yeah. I'd, I'd be really surprised and i'm sure it's one of them i'd be very uh well i wouldn't be blown away <laughs> i'd be surprised if uh if we hadn't watched a show during this time period
1: well w- let me tell you this so here's what was happening in the world while well, this was on tv or close to being on TV. Uh-huh. january 20th 1973 Richard Nixon is sworn in for a second term. Yeah, it goes well. And January 22nd, two days later, former president Lyndon B. Johnson dies.
0: Oh, I didn't realize he had died that uh, quickly after uh, Nixon came in. He was like, I can't take another term. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Um,
1: but to your earlier question, Jordan, in 1973, we've only watched two things, and they were two huh. TV movies. One was in oh. March. And one was in August. Was one
0: um, The Astronaut? No, I'm afraid not. Oh. What else would we watch in 1973? Oh, geez. I hope it wasn't Spectre. It was not Spectre, I'm afraid. Okay. That'd be funny if we watched two Robert Cult movies of the same year. What else would it be in 1973? The Astronaut thing? I don't know. I don't know what we watched. It was Genesis 2. Oh. Genesis 2 was that earlier. And The Stranger oh the stranger you know what's funny i said the astronaut but i was actually thinking the stranger
1: oh that's just funny i wondered when you said the astronaut i was like maybe he means genesis 2 or the
0: stranger they both I mean astronauts. the stranger <laughs> yeah yeah but that that was a pretty good one too wasn't it i'm trying to remember now
1: uh not specifically that was the one where there was the earth on the other side of the
0: sun and the man lands on the wrong earth oh yeah it was okay it was okay actually there's uh there's uh um yeah it was okay yeah not as memorable as you might imagine that's right. Yeah, the astronaut was the one where it was like a, a drama with the guy and and his wife, right? Yes, that's right. That was just a that's the right.
1: guy died on Mars and they replaced him with another actor and then they fell in love with the man's wife. Yeah.
0: No, that's a good that's a good TV movie right there too. That's pretty good actually. <laughs> yeah. But that's not why you called. You called for a cold night's death. A cold night's death. Alright, well let's get
1: into it. Here's the IMDb summary for a cold night's death. Two scientists suspect that there is someone other than their research primates inhabiting their polar station.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. But what we're gonna get is this movie is is interesting because, as you said before, it's a two-hander. So we're pretty much only gonna see, for the most part, you're only gonna see these two actors. Um, there's gonna be another guy near the beginning, but you're mostly gonna get these two guys, and it sort of sets it up right off right off the beginning. Um, and I, I at first I wasn't sure. How I felt about it, but then I was pretty impressed with what this director and uh, director of photography were able to do because you sort of get this almost like dare I say avant-garde beginning to this movie where you have a little bit of like this camera quickly going over this icy terrain and there's this very sparse and like electric odd rhythms happening, and then we see a little bit of light. And you're like, what is this? Is this the moon? Is it the sun? And you hear a crash, and it's and we get to we see that what we've been seeing as a bit of a window. Um, and I just thought it was such a such an arresting early image. And I think how odd it was to start a movie and not even show any human characters. And they kind of do this for a little while, like the first five minutes or so before we introduce the characters. Even when we see them, they're from a from a distance. And I think it, it whether intended or not, I'm gonna assume it was intended and give them the benefit of the doubt, I think it does a great job to create the sense of, like, this very vast, uh, inhospitable area where it's just, it's just like a wasteland, not a wasteland, but it's just, it's just snow. And I, and I thought that was really good. Yeah,
1: you're you're out in the middle of nowhere.
0: Yeah, it's like it gives this, this wonderful sense of you're in the middle of nowhere and claustrophobic at the same time. And I thought it really set the stage right from the beginning with those shots and the music. I, I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, I really like the score. over was sweeping Tundra vistas they were shooting. It was really good. Mm-hmm. And they arrive. The camera will arrive and show us the isolated Tower Mountain Research Station, which is buried in snow. It looks like it's the middle of winter. Storms have been blowing through. They did a great job. It all looks very
0: cold. You can't help but feel cold. Did you see that? uh, I agree with you uh, that this research station is an actual research station. And they shot the exteriors there, which I was really impressed with.
1: Yeah, I saw that too. And I was just like, wow. So they really went all out to like kind of like it feels like it. It feels like you're there.
0: Yes, I agree. It's it's you said it's just it's so cold and so inhospitable. And they do a really good job through this whole thing of you always having that feeling of. Well, they can't get out.
1: Mm-hmm. And the first thing we see is we never see inside right away, but we see the outside of the research station. We hear a character named Dr. Vogel futilely trying to reply to the project director of this research project. But he's unable to broadcast out. He's only able to receive. All he hears is the project director calling in, trying to get him on the uh, radio. And this guy's just like desperate to get out, needs help. But we never see him. We just see the outside of the window and we kind of hear him calling yeah. for help. And that transitions into sort of an uh, expositional voiceover by this project director where he kind of sets the stage for us, which is, you know, very, very just tell not show. But I think it works all right where the um, director essentially explains that he's running a space program. Or a space research program uh, into stress situations, basically, that my astronauts might encounter in space. They've been doing it for four years. And they've been doing these tests on monkeys up there under extreme conditions. Uh, this Dr. Fogel, they've been able the to radio in five days. And um, the last time they talked to him, he sounded pretty unhinged. He was talking about like, having conversations with Napoleon and Alexander the Great. And they're, my favorite part is the director sort of sets all this stuff up in a voiceover. And then he says, I'm particularly worried that he's jeopardizing the project and that he hasn't fed the monkeys. And I was just like, oh, so you're not worried about Dr. Vogel. You're
0: you're just worried about the monkeys. But, but I actually do like that because I think there is a um, yeah, there's an interesting uh, kind of turn through this through this movie. But there is that idea that what's the most important, regardless of anything else, is this study. And I thought that was a good way of setting this up, being like we just can't stop the study. Whatever happens, we just got to keep the study happening.
1: Oh, it sets the stakes really well, and I... Yeah. I not that it's wrong for the director to, like, not care about the guy. It kind of sets the stage for, like, what kind of workplace they're going into. It's just very funny mm-hmm. to be like, that research, I mean, that guy's going nuts. We got to get him out of
0: there before he hurts those monkeys. That's true. Uh, let me just say one thing. You and you said it too, um, and I know you're just uh, mimicking the movie, but they just say monkeys as a overall for any type of, like, primate. Yes. If there's, like, chimps or baboons or anything they're just like monkeys i was like you guys are scientists right everyone's a monkey it's funny i think
1: right at the start they kind of name what kind of there's like chimps up there there's some ape they kind of name what they are and in my notes i'm writing down everything they said and then i'm like i'm just gonna call them monkeys for the rest of my notes and then i realized they're
0: also i was like so the writer and me are on the same on we're just like just call them monkeys it's easier (laughs) yeah it's easier because i i i didn't uh notice until i think it's early on they have a, a chimpanzee and i was like That's not a monkey. I was like, is this just a mistake? or like, no, they just, it's easier. Everyone, everyone's a monkey.
1: Yeah, yeah. Early on, they're like, we got chimps, we got all kinds of stuff up there. It's like, let's call them monkeys, though. It's going to be easier and (laughs) everything. But because this Dr. Vogel seems to have lost his mind, and the you know they're right at the end stages of this research project, they need to get up there and sort of try to salvage it from him. And they mm-hmm. brought in Dr. Robert Jones and Dr. Frank Inari to relieve Dr. Vogel, and they they actually originated the research for the, the studies based on. So they're kind of bringing in the guys who came up with the theories that they're now testing, essentially.
0: Yeah, and and I and one of the things that wasn't as as well done as I would have liked is um, because this. They want to get right away to uh, uh, the challenges that these two gentlemen are going to have being at this, uh, this station um, is that I think it's in just in one scene where the the uh, one guy, Frank Inari, played by uh, Eli Wallach, just like says what the character's personalities are. And I just thought it was funny. It was just like a line of dialogue. He's like, you're like this, and I'm like this. You're a little bit rock and roll, and I'm a little bit of country. And you're like, okay, well, I guess they're going to have some conflicts. Whereas I thought they had enough time to sort of show that. And they do a little bit, but it is funny that almost the first scene, you're going to get the thing that these are two research partners. I get the sense that maybe they're not really best of friends. They sort of like their colleagues. They work well together because of their uh, somewhat different personalities, but they would never be people who would um, really spend any uh, social time together.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying because what we'll see very quickly is a scene where uh, Dr. Robert Jones he's a little annoyed to be going out to this isolated research page to do yeah. this like what he likes about their research is he he likes the mystery he likes the experimenting and Dr. Anari um, Frank he's a guy who just likes he likes the work he likes to do the studying he likes to do the observation he just likes do he likes the numbers basically and which is why they probably work well together as researchers but there is a thing where jones robert jones is sort of annoyed to be out there and he kind of lits he's just like i can't believe you picked up that call and you took this gig like you know how i feel about this kind of stuff it's kind of boring for me i know you love it but i don't i don't know i thought it was very i agree it really set up like a very baseline personality but i thought it was at least well enough to be like here's all you need to know going forward this is I agree. The, a little bit of a difference. And I, I thought for the most part, I was just like, this is, could have been handled worse. And I think the actors probably helped too. Like, I think I felt like it I was. would
0: agree. I I wasn't that it was bad. It was just that it was funny the way that they just dumped it in some dialogue where I was like, well, we have all this time because they do, they do this um, sort of running bit a few times that I thought was great as a way of showing Robert's personality, uh, Robert played by uh, Robert Culp. And he plays pool throughout the movie, but what I always liked and I thought it was an interesting character point was he's playing pool by himself, and he's it's there's this idea that uh, I think it's it's a game that is meant for more than one, but he he's going to figure out things out by himself, and I just thought that was. A better way of showing a personality trait than having someone just dump it in some dialogue, you know?
1: Yeah, no, fair enough. I but I think to your point, too, it's like right at the start here, we kind of get this exhibition about what the mission's going to be. Um, yeah. We see the two doctors loaded in a helicopter. They get on, they bring a control chimp with them named Geronimo, which I guess is just to make yeah. sure the other chimps are still in this study process. He'll come, it'll become more important later, but they have this chimp going with them and they're essentially flown right out to the research station and like no time's wasted. They kind of just want to es- establish, yeah. like, Here's where you're going. Here's these two characters. Let's just go, go, go. In some ways,
0: yeah, exactly. So they come, and there is a third character. This for the first couple of scenes, who's the helicopter pilot? This guy named Val Adams. But the three of them arrive at the research station, and it's like it's luck, and they really give the idea that where they are, it's it's there's a bad storm. So there's a kind of pocket where they can get through. They fly the helicopter. Uh, Val drops them off. He's with them for the very beginning before he flies out um we're gonna find out he flies out with vogel basically what happens i
1: loved when they got off that helicopter and the snow is so deep like it's waist high they like they step off the helicopter and literally collapse into the snow i was just like this is pretty good attention to detail actually
0: yeah and and uh i have to say uh robert culp throughout this is is will be the the actor who has to go out into the snow and i think he does a great job you every time he's out there you feel the struggle of how difficult this is. He's the guy who's having to shovel and move stuff around. And there's a scene later on in the movie where he essentially gets like frozen or sort of hypothermia. And I thought he did such a great job of honestly, I was watching it being like, give me a blanket. I'm so cold watching this guy, but yeah, they arrive. And as soon as they arrive the station, they like open the door and they get in and it's like a mess. Like papers are everywhere. furniture's pushed over. Like it looks like uh, chaos has happened, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's trashed in there. And the monkeys are still alive, but they're sort of <laughs> freezing in their pens. Uh, so they're like, well, good, the monkeys are good. But they can't find Dr. Vogel. And they finally like work their way to the machine room. And when they get inside, this Dr. Vogel is just like frozen to death. Like he's just like covered in snow and ice. The window to the machine room has been left open. And it's like covered in snow. The whole thing is like got this like white sheen over. It, it looks like an icebox, basically.
0: Yeah, it it's odd because what it, I think he's stuck at his desk and he's got like the tape recorder in front of him, right? Like the microphone for what yes, he's recording. Yes. So it looks like he sat down, opened a window, and not necessarily maybe commit suicide, but maybe had some sort of mental issue where he, where things weren't firing properly, you know?
1: Yeah, he sat down. They say he ran 30 hours of reel-to-reel tape, so he recorded a couple <laughs> podcasts while he was sitting there. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: And and then and, and seemingly froze to death.
1: Yeah, and initially they, the doctors are like well he must have had a heart attack and just died there and then like all this happened to him but we'll see very quickly like they'll take the body back and they'll call him with autopsy results and it's just like no he didn't have a heart attack he froze to death he was sitting there freezing to death and you know this is particularly strange they note because like The door wasn't locked to the machine room. So it's not like he got locked in there and he had his keys on him. So he could have just unlocked the door and left at any point. So there's a real mystery about like why or how he died. Like, had he gone that insane at that point?
0: Right. But, but they're able at this point to, um, I think that they say the generator was still running. So, um, lights were still on. There was a tiny bit of heat coming in from that. Um, but they sort of put oil back into the heater and uh, kind of get things back up and running. I think they they even go through, uh, which I thought was a, was a, a well done scene, which is uh, Val, this pilot, is kind of going through stuff, and and he's not only dropping them off. It seems like he's like, here you go, guys. Uh, here's how you do everything. Uh, lights are here, water's here, and they basically show this like water cistern that has, um, essentially uses snow from outside to go through their water filtration system, to uh, get melted into like a big cistern that then uh, goes through the pipes, uh, in it, which becomes a, a bit of a plot device later on. Um, but I thought that was well done to be like, to give you a sense of the geography of where they are. It's like, here's a room here. Here's a room here. Here's a room here. This is where you're going to spend the next hour and a half with these guys, viewers. I thought that was really well yeah, done. Yeah,
1: they do a nice little orientation with them so you get you get yeah. the sense of it. And this sort of settles them in. And uh, right as sort of this sort of opening ends, like this sort of like introduction to the world ends. We, we the audience, we're the only ones who are privy to this, but we get, a, we get a quick ominous shot of the camera pushing in on the reel-to-reel tape player. And it's it's running audio from Dr. Vogel, whatever he was recording on those tapes. And he's talking about how whoever finds these tapes is never going to believe him. Um, but that's the only time we'll ever encounter those tapes because when they get back to base camp and try to listen to the tapes later They'll they'll let the doctors at the place know that um, when they thought out the tapes There was just they're completely blank and they're just like he must not have plugged in the recording device when he was running it But he just ran 30 hours of blank tape, but we the audience know like we've heard a little bit of the tape and something strange happened
0: Yeah, I have a, I have a couple notes here that are um, uh, only somewhat related uh, one of my notes while we were at this point of the movie I wrote even these chimps are good actors, which I would agree. <laughs> I think even the chimps were good. And and my other note is, uh, while I was watching this, I was like, this reminds me of something, but in a little different way. And Luke, do you remember when we watched Trapped in Space? Oh, yeah, of course. Same basic concept, isn't it? But um uh, for anyone who would listen to that old podcast episode, very similar concept in the overarching structure, but in terms of how how the story is told in a very very different way and i would argue that this is a much much more effective movie yeah i mean night and day as far as execution goes <laughs> yeah yeah also it helps have an eli wallet come on now Uh,
1: that's true but this sort of you know this is the setup this sets us up here we know how the doctors got here what they need to do the research and then the geography of the station and their basic personalities we do a little time jump and we see a few days have passed as as evidenced by they both have grown beards
0: I love it. It's so funny (laughs) because because as this goes on, you'll be able to tell time just by their like straggly beards getting a little bit longer, a little longer, which I don't know why they're not shaving. But it's just, you know, I I was fine with it. I'm like, at least I know time's passing. Great. It's a good shorthand. Good. I'm fine with it.
1: Well, I think a little bit of it is and you've mentioned this, too. Like, I think Robert is bored. So his beard grows a little faster. We see him playing a lot of pool. Also,
0: so funny. There's a pool uh, table there of all the things. But sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, is it? Oh, we've said this before, but it's the number one thing that set deck seems to put in these TV shows, isn't it? I think it's just so easy. It's like good business. You can see
1: pool balls bouncing around, and it just. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's so weird. We keep seeing. It. <laughs> yeah. And as we've mentioned, the assignment's dull for Robert, so he's kind of getting bored. And we see as he's doing going about his business, he's the one who you know runs the water and does that stuff. We can see him mulling something over there's a scene that i thought worked pretty well because it's pretty much silent he's like checking on the cistern making sure the water's running and as he walks out he stops by one of the doors and he starts looking at and he starts like playing with the lock and testing his keys in it Mm -hmm. just seeing like if there's a way it could have jammed or something and without saying anything we get the sense he's just like something about dr vogel's death is like weighing on his mind
0: yeah i i agree what was interesting is there's there's two things happening and i think you paid more attention to that. And I paid more attention to the other thing, which maybe says a little bit about our personalities. But while, while Robert is checking these keys, uh, not the keys, but the lock on the door, and he's already starting to think about, is there a mystery here that I can solve? Frank is like more at ease. And what he's doing is he's cleaning. He's cooking. He's uh, he's trying to make a chart of what work duties they should have. And I, and I thought that was, again, when this movie has its strengths, it's this sort of thing that you get to see what the characters are doing. And I thought it was funny that Frank just is like, okay, we're here to do a job. Let's get these stuff done. Let's organize it. Let's do it. And Robert just it won't be pinned down.
1: Yeah. I thought that was really great too. It really establishes their working relationship. Like you get the sense yeah. that these guys work well together. One, because he's like big ideas. He chases, he chases yeah. theories. And the other, because he's good at the research. But in addition to that, you get the idea that like, They've never really locked themselves in a place for a long period of time. Exactly, They're roommates now, and there's been an uncomfortableness around who does what and, like, cooking. I, th- I think at one point they're splitting up chores, and he'll take the water shoveling duty, Robert. And, he's, and uh, when um, uh, Dr. Anari, what's his first name? Frank. Frank. Frank's like, well, I'll cook. And Robert's like, well, if you cook, you should probably clean.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you make a good point, though. And it's something that, uh, following up on what I said at the beginning of this, they might be good research partners, but there's no real indication that these two would like each other socially. And that is uh, uh, just exasperated through not only you're saying these these small quarters, because we see later on, there are really roommates. There's one room and there's two like, like twin beds and that's it. They're together all the time. So they work together, they live together, they sleep together, they eat together. And then on top of that, as we're going to see... Stuff starts getting a little hinky, and uh, uh, it only uh, makes makes those tensions uh, greater.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, very quickly, Robert starts discussing with F- Frank his sort of—he's like, isn't it odd? I just keep mulling over Dr. Vogel's death, and he's just like, something just doesn't add up for him. And Frank's just like, dude, ignore it. Let's get to work. Like, he was an unhinged man. And, you know, you that's really that original setup of their character traits then, like, sort of— deviates here where one's kind of obsessing and the other one's just like dude we have to work we have to get this research done
0: yeah yeah and it's he like robert basically is like he doesn't think he had a heart attack he just he's like there's something here and frank's like just just leave it man like don't worry about it like let's just keep going yeah
1: and that night robert is woken by monkeys just making they're going nuts they're going nuts down in their cages the monkeys are going crazy
0: yeah and didn't didn't you think this would this scene was shot really really well
1: Oh, I think all of this thing was shot really well. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned the camera work in the DOP. Uh, there's a scene later on when, they're, when the two characters are really, like, falling apart. And it's a classic scene. We've seen it a million times. But I thought they executed it well, where the camera pulls back across the breakfast table and just shows the intense distance between the two characters at mm. the breakfast table. Like, I think all the camera work here was so, like, specific and, like, intentional that, like, every yeah. shot feels like something.
0: Yeah, and I and I this is gonna sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's almost as if the work that went into this was better than it should have been for a Tuesday night TV movie. Like all these sort of interesting things, like like uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is this shot. It's it's Robert going to investigate, but for whatever reason, they they focus so much on his feet and how he's walking, and I just thought it was such an interesting way of giving that feeling of sort of tiptoeing, and there's this nervous energy to it. I thought I was like, this is. This is like actually got style for a TV movie. Like, well done, guys. Well, and there'll be a similar scene that happens later where
1: he comes down when he hears the monkeys again a couple nights later, and yeah. they'll shoot it in a completely different way, but like juxtaposing the way we just saw. So there, there is a real intentionality, I think, that you're seeing that you're commenting on for sure.
0: Yeah. So so the, uh, the scene, though, is uh, Robert comes down uh, and he's investigating what this noise is. You you do see all the uh, the monkeys, apes, chimps in uh, in their cages jumping up and down. Something's got them agitated. Yeah, he he goes in and he goes into that room that Dr. Vogel was in, um, and he sees that the windows has been open.
1: Yeah, the, the door was ajar. And he's like, that's odd. I'm, he doesn't say this, but he's like, that's odd. The door's ajar. And he gets in there. Yeah, the window's open. It's much like how Dr. Vogel died. And as he's closing the window, the door sort of starts slowly closing behind him. And he's able to race and throw it back open. Yeah. And then when he looks out into the hallway, there's nobody there.
0: Yeah. And, and this is, uh, I think this is the first real indication of like, uh-oh, this isn't just a person who, uh, excuse the term, but kind of became unhinged. This is, there might be a malevolent force at, at work here I mean we really overlook
1: the best part of him uh, doing this investigation though
0: what's that oh him
1: in his his uh, pajamas yeah he doesn't put a shirt on for this investigation so we get like a real topless rocker for the whole time
0: it is funny he's wearing um he's wearing like what I would have wore as a kid for pajamas just like like long tight uh, pajama bottoms and that's it and I was like yeah go for it Robert
1: yeah I, I think they're kind of supposed to be like long johns because it's so cold but I was like but you got no top button yeah it was great
0: yeah, so, so he goes, and so he basically, this has only heightened his his uh, already suspicious mind, that there's something up, and uh, there's an interesting thing here, where he goes he goes back upstairs, and Frank is sleeping, and he goes, and he, I think the really point is he wants to talk, one, uh, talk to Frank about what he saw, and two, sort of check to see if maybe it was Frank that was closing the door, and so he's like, Frank, Frank, you awake? No, you're sleeping? And... And then he's like, no, no, he is asleep. So he goes back to the bed and the camera pulls out to show that Frank is awake and he's he's laying there with his eyes open. And you're like, oh, something funny's happening. Yeah,
1: yeah. You definitely get the sense there's some there's something up here because Frank is still awake and he clearly doesn't want to answer him. Yeah. And when they wake up in the morning, uh, they find that the power has gone out overnight. Like they went to bed. The monkeys got, went crazy. He checked it out. And actually, as he's going back to bed, the monkeys calmed down as if whatever was happening sort of like simmered down. Yeah. And they all go back to bed. And in that morning, power's out. They're worried about the pipes freezing. They're running around trying to get things going again. And the entire time I'm watching this, I'm imagining you at your country house waking up in the morning being like, my pipes, they're freezing.
0: It's it's funny you said that. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, I get it, guys. This sucks. This It's like, if those pipe freeze... That's a day right there. I I get it. So uh, um, I thought that was um, uh, not only an accurate representation, but I thought it, it also set the stakes of it doesn't take very much to throw them into a dangerous situation. Like as soon as they run out of water, they're screwed. As soon as they run out of heat, they're screwed. As soon as they run out of light, they're screwed. So there's this... Tenuous agreement with their electricity and their generator that they have to operate at all times. So little things like this are, you know, very very bad. And uh, I think this is the first time where uh, we get to see uh, Frank really get irritated because Robert now has woke up. He comes downstairs and Frank's clearly been up for a little while, a while trying to fix things. And he's and he's clearly already frustrated. He's been doing it for a while, and uh, he it was clear to the audience and i don't know if he actually says it out loud but he basically thinks robert got up in the middle of the night and was screwing around with things
1: yeah i believe sort of that's is sort of said out loud in that robert's just like hey man i heard you get up or sorry frank uh so i heard you yeah. get up and come downstairs last night and it's just like did you like happen to touch something like i'm not blaming you but like maybe you mess something up while you're down here and robert's like no man listen you have to listen to me Everything that happened to Dr. Vogel, like, it was kind of happening last night. And Frank's just like, I don't want to hear it, man. Just just admit that you made a mistake when you came down here last night. And the two of them, like, can't. Like, this is really sowing these sort of seeds of, like, yeah. dissension between the two of them. As as, just Robert just is really like, something weird's here. Someone's here. Something's here. And Frank is just like, dude, just admit you made a mistake last night. Don't, like, go about it like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. This is the first, like, crack between these two guys. Um, uh, the one thing I do notice uh, that uh, Robert, the uh, Robert Culp character, I-, I know he's like the investigative guy. There's only so much stuff um, uh, for him to look into because as we'll find out, there's there's not that much plot. This is basically what's going to happen now is going to run over a few times where things are going to weird things are going to happen and they're going to respond to it. Um, but he-, he does a lot of moping and not a lot of investigating. There's a lot of him kind of being like, Uh I was like, well, go go look at something, Robert
1: well i mean i think to your point this is what's sort of happening for frank too is he's getting very frustrated because he doesn't want to hear it he's just like not interested and at some point and the thing i liked about it is they're constantly every time they fight one or the other always tries to defuse the situation afterward there's an apology or there's some attempt to defuse it and as it goes on one of the attempts to defuse it is frank sort of sits down at the breakfast table he's like hey listen i'm sorry we fought this morning Uh, i know you're bored up here he's like. I've been going over all the results of my tests on the monkeys. And he's like, I think there is a bit of a mystery. the he doesn't say it quite like but he's like, there's something odd in the test. And he's like, why don't you look at He's trying to give Robert yeah. something to do. Because he's just like, these tests we've been doing, it appears that the monkeys have developed a, I think he says, a stress immunity. Like their behavior implies they're quite stressed. But their physiological signs don't show any of it. And he's like, it's quite it's quite odd. It's quite a mystery. And Robert sort of takes this. He's like reading through the results of the table. And as he's looking at them, he's just like, He's like, all right, uh, where are the blood tests? I need to, like, find the blood tests so we can see, like, maybe what's going on here. And when he says that, Frank immediately starts, like, hemming and hawing. He's just like, oh, well, I, yeah. we don't need blood tests. Like, I, I'm doing this with a different methodology. And Robert clues in something. He's just like, wait a minute, Fra- Frank, you don't have blood tests? He's like, have you even been in the machine room where the, you know, that's where the blood test machines are? We could do it very easily here at the station. He's like, have you even been in there since we got here? Like, have you ever gone in there? And he's just like, no, I don't need them. And it becomes clear that like Frank is actually afraid to go in the machine room where Dr. Vogel died. Like he's actually freaked out by something that he's not willing to like, maybe even consciously admit to himself. And this sort of causes a bit more of a blow up because Robert just like, just, what's wrong like you know i've been talking about that room and how i'm suspicious of it now i'm finding out you are too and like frank gets super upset by being confronted with the fact that he won't go in there and he kind of storms off and like the you know another divide is put between them Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and then and uh, as as happens with this a few times i think right here we cut to like a few weeks later is what we're supposed to believe or at least days later i think it's weeks later because i think their beards are quite a bit longer and similar to the night before robert's woken up monkeys are going crazy he gets up at the middle of the night um, my note was Robert gets up in the middle of the night now with more beard. Um, <laughs> he and uh, and he gets up and but what's interesting this time is it, as you said it's a, it's a um, almost an opposite sort of shot shot of him going down to investigate. But as soon as he gets down there, he sees that Frank is up. Frank is up doing tests, which I thought was odd because um, it's like the middle of the night, right? And he's doing he's doing a test. Uh, he's got is a muscle running on the a test- treadmill <laughs> on a treadmill, which is like we should say as a separate note. I, and I, and I don't know if the movie intended this as, as a theme through it, but I immediately felt bad for these, uh, these animals, not only, uh, the, the actual characters being tested on, but the, the, let's say actor animals that still had to go through all these, because like, it's this horrible thing of like, to get a monkey to like, have to up and down and get freaked out in a cage, it's like, it it still has to be freaked out in a cage, it doesn't know what's happening, and there's like, I, I, I did feel like there's a, uh, um, older style of dealing with animals than you see in in movies now
1: i mean i think the movie is trying to show you how animal research takes place like you see yeah. the cages being like they they pull the cages close the monkeys are compressed inside of them so that you can jam a needle in them you see them like opening monkeys mouths and like prodding at their eyes so they can like do tests on them and you know i think this is probably not even as extreme and like rough as actual research against on monkeys, but as you're watching it, you can't help but be like, but you're also actually doing the exact same thing to a real monkey right now. And it is like, I think if you yeah, have a lot of empathy towards animals, there's a lot that's hard to watch in this for that because it is like, you're like, oh, you're like, you're commenting on animal research, but you're literally doing that to the animals I know. to do the shot."
0: Yeah, it's, it, that hypocrisy stuck out to me too. And and obviously that's, uh, it's very easy to make that criticism, you know, fifty years later, but it is a little bit uncomfortable watching it. Even just like watching this poor chimp on a on a treadmill, I was like, oh guys, <laughs> leave the poor guy alone. Um but uh but uh basically um uh, uh uh Frank is like Frank sort of again implies to Robert that he that weird things are happening and he thinks Robert is doing it and he's and he basically comes out it's like I'm getting tired of all this weirdness. It's been happening now for weeks. Why don't you just come out? And, and what was interesting is, uh, to your point of um, there's always one of them going to diffuse the situation. Robert basically doesn't confirm or deny it. He just goes, why don't we do this? Let's go back to bed. We'll have breakfast in the morning. We'll have a nice little omelet. We'll make some coffee. Uh, have some French toast. We're going to sit down like two adults two guys who like each other and we'll just have a, a calm rational conversation and it it does diffuse the situation immediately i don't know if it's just because frank loves breakfast but they're just like okay agreed let's great let's do it that
1: is, it is a nice scene because yeah this is the first yeah. time we see frank really unhinged like he's been up all night he's been doing these studies he's like he's telling robert he's like you don't think i have noticed you haven't noticed i haven't noticed that like all the tests run on the monkeys like seem to also be like, our food disappears at the right time. I walk in a room, the lights are on for some reason. He's like, he basically is just like, Robert, I know you're gaslighting me. I don't know what the deal is or why you're running the experiments we're running on the monkeys on me, but I know you're doing it. Just, it just, he's just like, just tell me, yeah. Robert, just tell me you're running the experiments. I won't be mad. Yeah. I'm a scientist. And, you know, Robert's just like, well, that's not what's happening here, but I can see that you're starting to believe something's happening here. So you're right. And it's a great diffusion where he's just like, Because, you know, Frank's obviously exhausted. He's been up all night. He's like, let's go to bed. We'll sleep. It'll be rad. You know, and it's a nice diffusion of the scene. Like, I think that back and forth between those two characters really is smooth.
0: And and the one thing I wanted to add, and I don't know if it was just me, but I assumed Frank was doing tests at night because he didn't want Robert to interfere. That's why he was actually doing the test at night. Did, Did you get that sense? I think that might be the case. I do think there's like such a divide
1: between them at this point in the movie that it's just like they don't see each other like they're sleeping in different rooms now and that like frank just can't like he just can't take it and he, he didn't like that accusation earlier about him being afraid to go in the room so like that's really divided them so i think they are trying to keep separate hours maybe
0: yeah and, and i do think that um uh, we should give credit where it's due to this movie for um the effective effectiveness of slowly ratcheting up the tension between these two um and obviously the actors are very good they do a good job, but. If you think about it, again, very little is happening um, in terms of actual plot. And it's a lot of these characters having these conversations. And it's also happening weeks after. Like, weeks happen and then a few weeks happen. And I think it could have been very easy um, to have lost that tension. But this movie, you just keep feeling it, it adding and adding. And you can actually feel these these two guys getting put to the breaking point. And I think it's, it's just... Um, the pacing and the music and uh, the performances all just really clicked, and I th- I think it really uh it really works well. Well, I think that's what they do well is, you know, there's not a lot of information.
1: Like they're isolated yeah. here, strange things are happening, but they don't get a lot more information beyond that. It's not like they're solving a ton of clues and like piecing the mystery together. It's there's just like character interactions, but no scene is wasted. Like they're like we're gonna escalate. That's a good here way of saying it. In the mi- fewest possible lines, diffusion how are we going to escalate from there? And it's, it's always like, it's never boring. Like they never overplay a scene. They never overstay a welcome. They never have more lines than they need. It's all very tightly, tightly woven.
0: Yeah. You'd almost assume this was like a play originally the way it's, uh, the, uh, the tightness to it and the efficiency that you're kind of talking about
1: mm-hmm. at any rate. yeah. So they go to bed so that Frank can go to night's sleep and they can discuss it in the morning when they come down to the kitchen that morning. It's it's trashed. Like the kitchen is trashed. It's uh, totally destroyed and Frank is just freaking out cuz he's just like, "Robert, I know you're doing this. Like stop gaslighting me. Like I know this is you." And as they're arguing, they hear they hear a noise upstairs. And we haven't discussed this much, but they brought that control chimp with them, Geronimo. And when they get yeah. upstairs, Geronimo's on the pool table, he's hucking balls around and one thing that sort of has been happening like the b plot or the c plot that's been in the background is is geronimo has kind of just a pet basically for frank like he's a control yeah. monkey they don't really need him for the experiments he's just there to be like monkey who's not been there for like four years and as a result frank let him sort of run free he's just like i'm just gonna let geronimo wander around he's essentially their pet so they haven't been like locking him up at night and when they see him trashing the thing and they realize oh he probably trashed the kitchen too and frank's just like okay i i owe you an apology robert i thought you were gaslighting me but it's my fault like i let this monkey run around and clearly i shouldn't have he's been causing trouble and he like frank is basically like i see now geronimo is the culprit for all the strange going ons and i'm very sorry robert for going insane and accusing you
0: yeah and and uh, uh he puts him back in the cage so from from this point on geronimo's in a cage
1: Exactly, Robert. However, he's still not quite convinced of what's happening. Like Robert has different theories. You know, Robert knows something worse is going on, but he's not, he can't have this conversation anymore with a friend. Like they, he kind of ends up in this sort of silent treatment mode. He kind of shuts down. He's just like, I, I don't know how to talk about this. Like if you still can't believe what's happening even now after the kitchen's trashed the next morning, he's like, I don't know how to explain to you. Like, that's kind of like, they don't say this, but that's what you sort of see in, in Robert's reaction to Frank. He's just like, you think it was Geronimo now. It's just like, I, I'm never going to be able to convince you something's wrong here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a solution, but doesn't seem to be a solution that checks all the boxes. So for Robert, it just, he can't let it go.
1: And Robert at one breakfast one morning is sort of talking to Frank. He's just like, He's just like, I I still think something's wrong. He's just like, something happened with Dr. Vogel. And he's like, I don't know what it is, but I think there's a clue in the monkeys' names. I can't help but thinking the monkeys' names have some sort of... He just can't figure out what it is. It's it's sort of the seed that's planted here when they're at their kind of, like, most separated. He tells this to, to Frank, and Frank's just like, listen, we know it was Geronimo. That's sort of where they are. They're like, Robert's trying to crack the code, and Frank can't, and they're sort of at this weird moment in time. and And... Robert ends up going outside to shovel snow into the into the like there's a there's a hole or like a window into the how would you describe it there's like a window into the station.
0: Well, what what's happened is, and I think it's it's a, a small little piece is that when the when the water originally uh, uh, the pipes had had a problem, they did actually burst. So what he has to do now is the the actual mechanism of the water cistern doesn't work properly, so he has to go outside, shovel snow, and actually manually put it into the cistern to melt it. So right above the cistern is a window, but the window has, um, it's almost more like a plastic window, like a slightly, uh, a slightly bendable. It's so like movable, a tarp that comes sort of, down over top of it. Yeah. So so he basically, it's like this terrible job where he has to go out shovel snow in the middle of what looks like the worst blizzard you've ever seen and physically put it you know a ton of snow into this into the cistern through this window
1: and as he's sort of shoveling snow in he's thinking to himself and he's thinking we're getting cuts inside of all the monkeys in their cages we've seen their names a million times we've seen the monkeys in their cages throughout the episode or through the tv movie and now we're getting quick shots of all their names in the cages like augie genji ally freddie and Suddenly he has this brainwave, and Robert realizes like what those names mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's he sort of realizes the connection to uh, that they're short forms for four names.
1: Yeah, they're. He's like they're historic conquerors. He realizes he's like there's like yeah. Genji's Genghis Khan, Ali's uh, Alexander the Great. There's like one called Julie that stands in for Julius Caesar. That's sort of like he has this realization, and he he's just like I gotta go tell Frank. I got I gotta go tell Frank, and he he runs to the front door to get back in. And when he gets there, the door's been locked shut. He can't get back inside. He's sort of stuck outside. He's already freezing. And uh, yeah. Frank is locked in and doesn't know he's out there either. And um, inside, Frank, meanwhile, is, like, taking a shower. He's sort of starting his day. They've cleaned up the kitchen. And he, he goes into the ape research place to check on his pet monkey, Geronimo, just to make sure he's doing okay because they've locked him up in that cage uh, mm-hmm. as punishment for trashing the house that he thinks happened. I mean, he gets there, the cage is open, Geronimo's nowhere to be seen.
0: Yeah. So he starts looking around, he's looking for Geronimo. He finally comes up to this cupboard and he sees a little, I think it's just like a drip of blood coming mm-hmm. out, coming out. And it's locked, uh, the, the cabinet's locked from the outside. Yeah. So he, he gets it open and he sees, and again, great performance by this chimp. Um. Uh, he sees the chimp has, has been killed. What does it look like? It looks like it has been violently killed because it's bleeding. Um, and he sort of takes it down and you can see how upset he is, um, that his little, his little pet, his friend has died. Um, and so you, and it's actually pretty great because it, it not only works as a, as a character moment for him, cause you see, this is what's going to put him over the top, but it also works as a great, um, uh, uh, set piece of having, having him be busy. And there's a reason he doesn't hear, uh, Robert at the door is because he's busy with much more important things, so it makes sense that he wouldn't even have heard. So you have Robert just pounding outside, getting colder and colder, and and clearly th- the weather is so bad that you shouldn't be out there more than a couple minutes. He's now been out there, who knows how long? We're gonna guess like 20 30 minutes. Um, so he's really freezing, and you have these these two characters having these two very different experiences, and I thought that was really well done.
1: Yeah, and. Robert, you know, he can't get in the front door, so he has to find another way in. And he ends up going back to the window to the uh, the tank yeah. where they dumps the snow into. In Like you said, in a scene that's just, like, very effectively played, he has to crawl through that window and falls directly into this, like, vat of freezing. Like, it looks so cold, the water he falls into. And he has yeah. to, like, fall in completely soaked crawl out of it and the makeup department is a great job like they have the water freeze on his face almost instantly like one of his eyes won't even open it looks like anymore like he's he looks like he's fallen into the water climbed out and frozen basically
0: yeah and and his performance is great he looks like someone who's had a hypothermia you feel it as a viewer and he basically there's a scene of him like i'm gonna say trudging through the hallway to kind of find frank and he can't he could can barely speak he could barely move he's just like just shuffling so slowly and i i thought oh, i mean kudos what a great performance um and you really feel it and he basically yeah uh, is just trying to make it to frank to survive himself and to and not only that but clearly he wants to you know say why did you lock me out there and it's and it's yeah i thought it was great that was all told just in his like trudging through the hallway
1: yeah it's amazing and he gets to the kitchen and finds frank standing over the body of the chimpanzee and Frank's now got a gun, and we didn't talk about this much, but when they first arrived, the pilot showed up with a small gun when they were searching the house, worried that mm-hmm. Dr. Vogel was violent or something, but he left that gun behind. Frank has it now. He's appointed at Robert, and he's accusing Robert of, of killing his monkey, essentially. Um, and he thinks, basically, that Robert's become unhinged as Dr. Vogel has been, and he's just like, Robert... I want you to lock yourself in the machine room. I, we're going to get help as soon as they can fly a helicopter in here. But we can't, I can't trust you. I need you to lock yourself away inside the machine room where I'm safe from you and you're safe from me, essentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then we get a scene where it's it's not entirely clear in terms of the blocking. But it looks like, and maybe we disagree, Robert basically is coming towards Frank to have this conversation. I don't think he was actually physically trying to grab him. I think he's just is so cold and he's so immobile that he's kind of shuffling towards him. Frank sort of takes it as an aggressive stance and they have almost like a little bit of a wrestling kind of thing. Like they kind of grab each other. And in this embrace, the gun goes off and and Robert shot in the stomach and killed.
1: Well, and I think to your point, it's not exactly... I think what it is is basically... Frank is just like, I'm, I think we should lock you up. I think you become unwell. I think something's wrong. And Robert just come back in because he's he's figured something out. He, he thinks he knows what's been happening now. And so yeah. as they get closer together, it's because Robert's kind of trying to... He's freezing. He's dying of the cold. And he's trying to explain desperately to Frank that... Um, here's basically the summary of his explanation is just like like each test they've run on the monkey as we've seen with them reporting like writing down like they'll be talking about their results out loud or that even when frank accused robert of running tests on him that every test they've run like depriving the monkeys of food their food disappears you uh subject them the monkeys to a fear stimulus same in the way we've been getting afraid when we isolate the monkeys we've become more isolated everything that's been happening he's like it happened to vogel too and he's like don't you remember what the project director told us? When Vogel was going crazy, he said he was talking to Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great. Those are the monkeys' names. He's been talking yeah. to the monkeys. He's he's trying to tell them that the monkeys are doing this to us. Like, that's what's happening. These test monkeys aren't just test monkeys anymore. Something's changed yeah. in them. At this point, I have a
0: note. And I was like, who wrote this? Michael Crichton?
1: <laughs> um, but you're right. He says all this Frank is so freaked out by him as he gets closer Frank shoots and kills him and um, You know Frank is just obviously distraught having killed his partner standing over his body And as he's standing over the sort of this crime scene essentially Frank hears a tape recorder go off inside the machine yeah. room And it's a recording of an earlier conversation him and Robert were having and he kind of goes into the machine room and like finds a tape recorder running and he notices the window outside once more has been opened up and he turns and the door shuts behind him and locks and the camera pushes up on the window like into the station so you can see who's locked the door. Mm. And standing back there is one of the monkeys from the uh, research station has locked him in to die, just like Dr. Vogel.
0: Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Now, I'm going to mention something really quickly. I, I read a few reviews of it and I, and I read um, one person who hated this ending and they said, it was so good to the re- end. It's so implausible and all this, and I couldn't have disagreed more. I thought it was a great ending. I thought it was great. I thought, I thought within the universe they created, it's absolutely plausible, and it is. It's 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 a moral tale. It's the theme they're trying to tell. It's it's like, yes, you can go through and go. Wait a minute. Uh, do their opposable fingers work in exactly the same way as humans? They're like, who cares? That's not the point. The point is, uh, that. All the little pieces were set up in this very slowly and very effectively. And when you look back, you go, this all makes sense. And they should have seen what was happening earlier. I thought I thought it was really great because you as a viewer uh, are on this journey the same time as Robert is. And you don't figure it out before he does.
1: No, for sure. And I mean, I understand kind of where that viewer probably is coming from with his complaint. And like part of me was sitting there being like, would there have been something that would have been more satisfying? Did I need more exposition around why the monkeys had changed or how they if they had become smarter or if this was just like just natural and then i was just like i don't actually need any of that it doesn't matter like that would just be like extra information and dialogue but it doesn't change the outcome it's still the same outcome and i think it is only worse by like trying to explain why
0: yeah i mean and i still think that like look this idea that the yeah, the the apes uh or monkeys or chimps have turned on the scientists because of their mistreatment of them. That's an interesting idea and it was it was realized really well in this and I thought the ending just sort of uh uh punctuated that that you know humanity's basic treatment of the planet and the other's creatures of uh, the creatures on this planet has a cost and the cost may not be so obvious right away and for these guys unfortunately it came to them too late and I thought well done. Well done, movie. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree.
1: I think that was my final decision on it too. I'm just like, I think the ending, it works just absolutely perfectly the way it is.
0: Like, it, you know what? I would have agreed if like, we saw the two chimps give each other a high five and then skateboard off or something like that. But it's not like that. It's just on, ominous. It's You don't get a, even a sense that uh, uh, how much more of an understanding uh, the the animals are having. It's almost like, nature is telling them to respond. I just, I, yeah, I thought it was really well done.
1: Well, do you have any final notes or should we just write
0: it? Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to say that like, like this clearly had a small budget and a small cast, but I think you said it before. It's like the efficiency they have in not wasting scenes and not for the most part, not wasting any dialogue is, is great. And, and you do get the sense that like Frank is sort of erratic the whole movie and Robert's a little aloof Um, and you get these mismatched personalities and it's not too over the top and it's not too little. And I just thought it worked really well for the tension of this movie. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it.
1: That's great. Me too. Me too. Well, uh, well, I'll start by rating, I guess. Why don't I get, get us going? Um, I mean, let me tell you this. I I love a, like a frozen, cold isolation movie. Like you know, obviously yeah, the thing is the is the gold star. This thing hit all the notes right off the top. That I'm just like, oh, this movie is already for me. I'm enjoying exactly how it's going. But then, as you said, the two hander, how tightly how tightly paced mm-hmm. it was. Everything sort of worked. Great character actors. It was such a slow burn. Everything was believable, like interaction wise between the characters. Jordan, I don't know if I've seen a better TV movie for this podcast. <laughs>
0: I haven't either. I thought the exact thing. This is this is the best TV movie we've ever seen. This is a straight ten, man. Yeah, that's great. I'm 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 not gonna go straight ten, but it, it might be my highest highest ever. I'm gonna give an eight point five. <laughs> eight point five. I just can't go. You know what? There's it's it's so close. I honestly, it's so close to being like a nine or a ten. I just think it's not quite there. Um, but it's I I really enjoyed it. Eight point five, man.
1: I can't imagine what we're ever going to see that's going to be better than
0: this. Oh, I know. You're probably right. I'll probably never get past this. But honestly, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things we've ever seen.
1: No, it was truly... Uh, I was just like, this is kind of a classic film that no one has seen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Like, again, the only thing that sort of holds us back in terms of like something you would have seen uh, at the cinema is you can see it's got a TV budget. Yeah, it's a TV movie for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a TV movie, but... Man, did uh, everyone like the stars aligned for everyone making this.
1: Thing. Everybody understood the assignment they understand the parameters yeah. they were working in. And they didn't let any of that hold them back.
0: You know what? I'm changing it. Nine out of ten, Luke. Oh, there going we go. Up to a nine. nine out of ten. I'm going up to a nine. You're right. Absolutely right. i am being too hard. It's a nine out of ten.
1: I mean, I think that is the thing is we've watched a lot of TV movies now. And like, I think maybe that's why TV movies have died off is that when you need to produce a lot of them in a short period of time. You just are really going to get a mixed bag. But like watching yeah. this is the moment where it's like, oh, yeah, you can you can still work within this and like crush it. It's just hard to do probably. But man, did these guys crush it.
0: Yeah. And, and we've seen, I think, in some other TV movies, like points that are really well done. Like, you know, it's being cast well or um, the part of the movie is really well, uh, really well performed or whatever it might be. But this thing, I tell you, top to bottom, just it was really good. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. It's, it t- I tell you. I've said this before, sometimes it's a slog watching through these things. And you feel, I'm sure, the same way too, like, you know, Rocket Boy. But, uh, but watching this, I was like, great, I could do this every week. No problem. Yeah, I couldn't even watch it all in
1: one sitting because I was just busy. But I was so excited to sit back down and watch more. Every time I was mm. like,
0: oh, I got to get back and
1: watch more. I want to see what happened.
0: Yeah, it was great. well, look, look at that. Average between us is a 9.5 out of 10. Certainly the best rating we've ever given anything, I'm sure. <laughs> Agreed. A Cold Night's Death. Check it out.
1: Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. So uh, as we've been doing this year, we have bonus episodes for charity happening where uh, you, the listener, can donate to one of a select group of charities that have been chosen by our former guests. Um, we're recommending a $50 donation, but give what you can is the is the model we're working with. So if that's too much for your means, no worries. You can uh, donate less um there are details on our website continuing on how to donate how to pick an episode uh, also you can find that link on social media the essential idea is any series that we've taken the escape pod from and not watched all the episodes you can pick an episode we missed force us to go back and watch it maybe you love that episode and you think we'll enjoy it too maybe you just like to punish us by making us watch something we hated i don't know it's up to you you're the sadist don't punish
0: us make us watch a cold night's death again <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just keep watching it over and over and over again. Every, every week we do another review of A Cold Night's Death.
1: <laughs> um, and, of course, you can always email us at drag at gmail.com. Uh, let us know how you're doing. Are you keeping warm this winter? We hope so.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't be like Robert. Don't be out there shoveling snow into your cistern. Yeah,
1: don't shovel snow into your cistern, then crawl into your cistern full of water, and then crawl out of that cistern freezing to death.
0: Yeah, don't freeze your eyelids shut. That's not a good idea. I mean, this is how you will die on your country at your country house, right? Oh, there's there's been a few times, because I'm uh, we don't to get it. I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere, and there's been a couple times where something has happened, uh, and I'm like, oh man, if this is this how people are gonna find me? It's not good.
1: <laughs> Real Dr. Vogel moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh and of course on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Continuum Dregs the Handle there, we'll have some clips from uh Cold Night's Death. Snow stuff, lots of snow stuff
0: yeah yeah you'll feel cold you will feel
1: cold for sure
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that wraps it up so listener thanks for joining us and jordan see you next week see you then continuum drag is recorded in toronto ontario and seoul south korea theme music by james rick Siedler. produced by jordan Dalek and luke black special thanks to aaron Yunes.